Okay, listeners, well, we're back in action for Rogue One Part 2. Spoilers. Gloves are off. The spoil eagle is flying around. Can you Come hear on. it? Can you hear it? Look. Yeah, it's here. So this is your final warning. We'll even do a little countdown. This is spoiler time now. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, run away now. Yeah, just press stop on your recording device or unless you absolutely loathe Star Wars and you want and it you to be spoiled. Care. But even then, you shouldn't be like that. Go and see the film. Go and see the film. Okay, do you want to hit us off with something first, Phil? I did not enjoy seeing any of the callbacks from A New Hope in this film. There so, are for example, the guy with sort of weird sort of... I don't even know how to describe chin it. Chin fat? Yeah, chin fat, uh, who gets his arms sliced off in the cantina, and the doctor who says, oh, I have a death warrant on 12 systems. Yeah, me dad! Didn't enjoy seeing him. Didn't enjoy seeing Rogue, uh, Rogue Just, You need to explain why, because the thing is, what is the point in them being there? There's absolutely no point at all. They're, they're met on Tatooine. They're not met on Jeddah. Literally, all we do is walk past them, and they say their lines and then walk off again. And they it better... Looks like, it looks like two guys dressed up in their costume to go to a comic con and they better get off that planet quick because it's about to blow up yeah exactly it was, it was nonsense and uh, there were there were loads and loads of others come on list a few more the other ones were the pilots from a new hope they turned up in the final Gold act of the leader. mission yes and they used the original footage which i thought was an absolute clunker what a silly silly thing why to would do. you do that why would you highlight the fact that this film is not a new hope yeah and then also you've got grand moff tarkin probably most painful of all because whoever's doing that performance i i think they've misjudged that role well it's interesting i've seen a lot of praise for this in other sort of critical circles and i suppose in some ways it's an achievement but i think if they were going to do it they should have used it so sparingly that all you had time to do was say oh whoa they cgi the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they should not have given him as much dialogue as they did because it really took away from the point of ben mendelson's guy as well yeah, he. It was just a. It's just ill judged that 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 whole use of a new hope's imagery and characters. It just felt like pointing to nostalgia, yeah. rather than servicing the story. And it wasn't even just New Hope. I mean, I particularly noticed a few Empire ones. You know, uh, they had um, in the final battle, they've got the guy saying "forward, forward," and they obviously they had the same bunker basically designed as in Return of the Jedi. Mm. You know, the Han Solo tries to break into. They had loads and loads of moments like that. Because the thing is, after a while, you think, well, why is this here? Like an Easter egg is more like a little detail that is sort of in the background, you know, a prop or something. Like even mm. George Lucas put a prop in there. He put the Millennium Falcon uh, is coming out of a, a ship's bay in Attack of the Clones. Did you see that? Right, right, right. See, and that's, that is an Easter egg because it has no bearing whatsoever and it's not in your face. These if you things, look for it, if you hunt for it, you'll find it. Yeah, whereas these things are in, they're, they're either the shot or the dialogue. Or the main point of the yeah, scene. It's nonsense. I think I think that was a spectacular misjudgment. No, no more evidence by the fact that none of the Geek Peak guys that we saw the film with reacted well to that at all. There wasn't even a glimmer of anything. I, di- I just heard nothing. Mm, even when Princess Leia turns up, and she said that hope line, which was rubbish. I mean, they, I wish they'd just given up on all that hope stuff. This was an utterly hopeless film. Everyone in the film thinks there's no hope and they all die. <laughs> like, what? You can't just say hope. It has to be hope. And then you've got the a CGI-faced character who you wrote, you know the look of very well if you're a Star Wars fan. You've you spent hours and hours watching her face to then see like a weird, like, Polar Express version yeah. of her is just awful. And her giving her like the final line 
what were they thinking? What no, were they thinking? I completely agree, Phil. Laurie, you slipped in the biggest, probably biggest spoiler of the whole film in that little rant. Did you hear yourself say it? What did I say? They all die in the end. Yeah, that course. is that is probably the uh, the big big surprise. I'd say I don't think, and so. it's not reckon? really a surprise. But I'm surprised that they actually follow through with that idea. Lots of people online and and on message boards and things like that have been saying, "Oh, this this is what's going to happen. They have to die because many many people die." Well, it's not many Bothans. We realise we you and I were talking about that, and we realised actually that's the second Death Star's plans that is the, the second Death Star but it is it is the fact that this co- is, a, is a costly mission to try and get the plans of the Death Star and I'm surprised that they ended with basically your characters that you've spent your whole time with each of them dies and has faced basically the end of their rebellion that's quite an odd thing to have in, well, a, I think it's in not, a standalone story well no in a way in a standalone story it isn't because they're unable to put uh, Cassian Andor, or whatever he is, they're not going to digitally insert him into episode four. Or maybe they are. No. <laughs> Just going to put it past George Lucas. But you know, it's much more convenient and much neater if you introduce these guys and they literally have a self-packaged one-off adventure, never to be seen again. So wiping them all out in the nuclear explosion, fine, why not? But my problem with it was that end of everything moment seemed to have almost no relevance to any of the characters they didn't seem that bothered we said this in this uh, spoiler free review as well but Jin so just suddenly decides this is the cause she wants to die for when really literally the people that she's fighting for just bombed her dad and she's like right well nothing for it i'm gonna give my life for these guys and she's presented throughout the film as someone who has no time for the rebellion yeah it's just nonsense we, we talked about this they got that wrong twice basically because on the, in the first part She's conflicted, but then she ends up giving her life for it, sacrificing herself and being the total hero, giving a rousing speech to everyone in that war room that wasn't very rousing. Rebellions are built on hope. I know, it was terrible. It was really bad script writing. But then also, that's the one way they got it wrong. The other one is they got her character wrong right from the beginning. Like, she's introduced as someone who watches her mother get killed mercilessly by Imperial troops and then sees her father get kidnapped and forced into slavery and then is rescued by a rebellion leader. An extremist rebellion yeah, leader. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of think that is pretty good motivation to be a real rebellion hero since she was six. But that was the storyline they gave to Cassie and Andor for no reason and that they didn't develop at all. And instead, she's like, oh, yeah, who cares about the rebellion? Like, what's the they, point? They blah, only blah, blah, saved blah, blah. my life and also the Imperials killed all my family. So And ruined mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? I just, what were they thinking? I don't get it. Mm, it's so confusing. But at the same time, through all of this, I feel like there is a good movie in there somewhere. Do you really? Lost in all the mess and all the the corporate stuff. Do you think... uh, Well, it's easy to say the corporate, and normally that's my drum. Do you think that's... Yeah, yeah, genuinely, that's what I feel. I feel like this is the the meddling hands of studios saying, we need to have more references to the the big franchise. This will make it more popular, blah, blah, blah. Test audiences say they want to see Princess Leia. They want to see... Bloody 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 blah. I I was amazed at how much the film was pandering to audiences, and also how much there was a sort of contrivance to the characters that they were introducing. So even the subset of characters. Did you notice that little tiny alien, the the with sort a big of small mouth. one, big mouth with a big yeah, gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like the kind of weirdly cute rebel. Yes, I did. They didn't I really felt do anything like that. With him. They didn't really do anything with him, but I felt like that was designed to appeal to audiences. So they say, "Oh, look at that! He's so cool." Yeah. Uh, and then they make memes about him or something like that. It felt very intentional and very much focused at the audience. It didn't feel like they were telling a story and you were watching it. Mm. You felt like they were performing a story at you. Well, and hence why they do all the callbacks we've already mentioned because they're relying on the audience, you know, going, "Oh, I know what that is," and talking about it. What do you think of Forrest Whitaker's character on the whole? Because he's a big name actor to bring to a franchise like this. I thought he was very bizarre. Saw Guerrero or something? Saw Guerrero, I think, yeah. I think that's how they said it. He seemed quite cartoonish and he's got this weird, bizarre apparatus that he's breathing with. He seems a bit insane. He didn't seem to make sense in the context of the movie. He felt like, yeah, I think cartoon is the right. And we, we know, I mean, this is cheating already, but I already know that he is a cartoon character. He's from the Clone Wars TV show. And I think they actually edited and adapted his character. He was one of the things they reshot um, to make him more closely resemble to the Clone Wars. And that, to me, is extended universe tinkering. That is the Marvel juggernaut, or the Disney juggernaut, rather. But I find it odd because basically Disney have seemed to have shunned most of the extended universe and, and they haven't really borrowed from any other elements. But this one they have borrowed from. They don't want to use any of the, the, the books written, the comics, no. or all the other t- stuff that's been used. I think the benefit of the Clone Wars series is that I think that was produced in collaboration with someone anyway. Isn't it shown on the Disney Channel? I don't really Probably know how it is, works. yeah, yeah. But uh, it's also people are not that interested in the prequels film. <laughs> I don't think they're, they're really that bothered to see any you know one-off storylines that go in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So it's safe territory to go back to, whereas the books were written around the original trilogy and so they don't want to risk trampling on their own story potential so i mm. yeah they'll keep they'll keep all that stuff out and they'll do what they want to do how about darth vader's uh, appearance i i kind of made me laugh because it kind of looked like a fan made costume again he had a he kind did. of a, a fat neck and like he had a was, sort of batman suit head that didn't turn properly. he sort of looked through he looked like he was looking through slits at the bottom of his <laughs> face mask like he was kind of cheating because he couldn't really see where he's going yeah he started tilted his head back and he looked a bit silly unfortunately but having said that there was one sequence towards the end of the movie when he's uh he's blasting through that rebel ship With and cutting through those mm. soldiers i thought that was great it was it was quite cool seeing darth vader being impressively powerful yeah i thought you didn't like the way that it's so tightly wrapped up and episode four is immediately following this standalone it was the immediate part i did it's not that i it bothered me that then they had a, a shot of the the ship which is going to carry the plans it was the idea that literally this film could be you could watch it and then immediately watch A New Hope and it's mm. no time has passed at all. I just think that's really narrow story. It, it just too, too much going on. It doesn't work for me. I didn't mind it so much because I felt like that was the best handled couple of scenes in the whole film. Um, and again, it's partly because they just borrow the scene setting and the cinematography basically from A New Hope. There's a dark corridor, you know, with the white alabaster wall kind of feeling. The sort of shiny gloss. It, just, it works look. really yeah. well. I did, that is so iconic and I, I loved seeing it and I enjoyed, I thought the lightsaber fight was quite well choreographed because it wasn't showy, but it then makes no sense that he wouldn't also bring out his lightsaber at the beginning of A New Hope this time. Well, around. the stormtroopers go first and he's basically, it's all fine. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I, I, did you enjoy seeing Darth Vader take a bath? I never thought about that before. <laughs> a milk bath, like yeah. Cleopatra. <laughs> was slightly weird wasn't it i thought you saw the sort of stumps of his arms and things oh uh, yeah it was, it was just a bit odd and i feel like that was again was a callback to empire strikes back when you see his head yeah, yeah, yeah. in that breathing chamber and he had sort of a weird old man in a hood uh, attendant this time around yeah which again was like 
was that Gareth Edwards or something? Was that cameo? Oh, was it? Maybe. I don't know. It wouldn't mm. surprise me if it was somebody. It just seems a bit ill thought through. Um, it's funny that Darth Vader was trailed quite a lot, and they obviously wanted you to get excited about this. And then they only used him right at the end. They should have just used Darth Vader instead of Tarkin, I think, because at least Darth Vader wears a mask. <laughs> so, like, you don't need to worry so much. And so it'd easily follow on, and yeah. it would make it seem like there's a bit of tension because he and it would yeah it would make it more sense actually it would have just been different there loads of things that they did that would just it's just make you wonder what it went on in that production room what went on in those boardrooms that, having said know. that james l jones doing the voice i could really tell that he He's an old was man older now. Oh, and yeah. it didn't have the same presence or commanding voice that darth vader should have and again that reinforced this feeling of a very high budgeted fan-made film I'd be quite interested to know how he feels about returning to that character when he's kind of done it in iconic movies already. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if George Lucas or some Disney exec has got James L. James to basically read a like a stock phrase which covers all your sound syllables so you, can, put it together. So you can do additional <laughs> performance. I mean, if they're recreating Peter Cushing, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they recreate James L. James. They pay him enough. Didn't it just make you think that Peter Cushing was a, just brilliant? What a legend. He absolutely nails that role. And it's kind of, it's bizarre to think of an old man being cast in that sort of role in a modern day movie. I always thought, and I said this in our uh, Force Awakens hype up review about a year ago now, Phil, that the Empire was one of the best things about the original trilogy. Not its ideology, obviously, <laughs> but more... <very laughs> I love that Imperial <laughs> March. <laughs> but no, the, the way that it was handled, the costumes, uh, the clipped voices, uh, everything about it was brilliantly handled. And I feel like every film since has failed to really recognise what made it work so well. You know, our first catch of the day. That's great. Whereas now, every Star Wars film we see now has a new colour of Stormtrooper. You know? mm. And every film has some other special unit or some other level of position. You know, they just get it wrong. It was The whole point was it was faceless bureaucracy. And in a way, Darth Vader, even though he was very evil, was almost a rebel within the Empire because he was so different. He was laughed. You know what I mean? Mm, I totally know what you mean. It's... it's I think the frustration of this film is that you don't get the sense that people understand what they're actually dealing with. And that sounds like very fanboyish and like very like, oh, cringy. But that's genuinely how I felt. Like, it just seems like, oh, leave, leave my precious thing alone. I'll do it. I'll play with my toys. I'll imagine it in my head better than, than this. So, Well, I do. I still read those books sometimes. <laughs> They're great comfort reading. Um, <laughs> what did you make of uh, Diego Luna's guy? Because I really didn't like this guy. I didn't like... Um, uh, Felicity Jones either actually which I didn't <laughs> say in the spoiler free review I, I I like both their performance I thought I quite liked the fact that there was a diverse cast uh, the only <laughs> only people who don't really make it into the, the main roster are black people and uh, white guys there are, so, well, there are black uh, guys in there but they just get shot immediately when, <laughs> when the final battle turns up it does answer that uh, main question though doesn't it you know this is uh, it's a classic question answering all those questions but now we finally know why there are no black people in A New Hope they're all killed they all got shot (laughs) shot to bits in Rogue One that that, that, we shouldn't really laugh at it but it was very funny when they're by that bunker at the end and they need to flip the master switch of course which is just a random yeah it's another MacGuffin moment and he was like I'm going to go for it (laughs) <laughs> it's literally immediately, <laughs> isn't dead. it? That made me laugh. I think we both laughed we out loud. Didn't that we? was the funniest bit in the film, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I really didn't like this character, Cassian Andor. I thought he was really poorly put together. The fact that he murders that uh, informant at the beginning was something that was never returned to. Uh, it was never really clear whether he had justification to do it or even a reason to do it. 
And speaking of which, that informant was a terrible actor. He was awful. He, I think he thought he was on stage or something. <laughs> I don't know what went wrong there. Maybe what a competition or something. I just thought all the way through he was terrible. He he basically was written to panda to Jin Erso, which really annoyed me because Jin never did anything that would have caused him to rethink his life. He he just seemed to be a drifter who had no idea what he was doing. That that was that was sort of so annoying. Sorry, I'm getting in a roll now. This whole sort of multi layeredness complexity of the characters that is so fake because they have no convictions. Basically, they're just all so troubled. They just get blown hither and thither, Phil, and it makes the rebellion feel like the worst sort of military organization that has ever existed because they can never decide anything and even when they do decide something everyone just does what they want anyway and the senior commander's like oh great and we even talked about this as one of the generals when they decide to go on that mission just hops in an x-wing and gets blown to bits that's not what generals are for (laughs) they're for sitting in war rooms and being clever but he just gets blown up because it's a great idea it just made them all seem like kind of teenagers and it made it it made it again seem like they didn't understand that the rebels just need to be good. They're the good guys. The Imperials are evil. That's all you need to know. It doesn't people, need to go like, into it's it. It's because we're in an era in which the cinema. I mean, I'm going to write some article on this, Phil, if I can. <laughs> like cin- cinema and the the silver screen has become the moral teacher for the world, and people expect it to reflect well on life and they expect to learn lessons that are positive about how they can conduct themselves in society so when you have that kind of polar opposite these are the bad guys these are the good guys it's not possible anymore because of the expectations we hold cinema to instead people are going to be saying well why are they the bad guys oh this is obviously you know um a discriminatory against someone (laughs) or why why do these guys have to be the good guys because all you're doing is supporting that leftist agenda you know what i mean it just Mm. you can already hear the sort of twitter conversation conversations in the headlines and so when it sort of feels like we're never going to have that again i think this is why i like gods of egypt because that was such a sort of bad film but at least it had the sort of confidence to just say these are the good guys and these are the bad guys and leave it at that yeah mm. can't believe we're talking about gods of egypt with star wars in the same bracket i think i think it's actually really interesting i think the storytelling approach to it is way more similar to a new hope that's an interesting point. I haven't thought about that. Maybe you're right. Look at if you look at the story, it's so simple, and the characters are so clearly cut, but enjoyable to watch. Anyway, anyway I shouldn't talk about it because loads of people hate that film. <laughs> I'll just undercut my credibility. I think in some ways there's not that much more to say. I know you were disappointed, Phil, that they had to throw in a line about the Death Star and being powered by the same thing as lightsabers. Yeah, the Kyber crystals. I just think it's answering questions that don't really need to be answered, and it's and it's. Again, I mean, the one thing probably which I think was quite good to have answered is why is there this one tiny fatal flaw in the Death Star that blows it all perfectly up? It's because somebody planned it there. The, I didn't like that, actually. Did we'll you not like that? that? We'll talk about that in a minute, but you keep going. But I, it, again, it's sort of, oh, everything's powered by Jedi power lasers, even mm. the Death Star. It's the Death Star. We don't need to know what it is. It's called a Death but Star. But even that might be some kind of metaphysical point about actually the instruments for evil and good Phil are essentially the same. It's the choice that matters. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Ugh. So therefore some countries should have nuclear power because they, they will make the right choice. Do you hear what I mean? I mean, mm. like, that's a no, joke. I, I that mean, is that's... not my opinion. I'm just deliberately making that point. No, I think that's an interesting point and probably somebody will make it at some point Do or you another. Think so? But I just think it's too tightly trying to connect up the dots and trying to make it every single thing linked up and it doesn't need to be that this film could have been really simple it could have been about a heist movie it could have been literally let's have a plan how are we going to get these uh, these death star plans then they try and execute it and it goes kind of right kind of wrong are they going to be able to do it maybe they won't maybe it all goes Mm -hmm. wrong yeah 
that's what I wanted the film to be about. And in fact, I think the trailer, the second trailer or the the final trailer that they released, seemed to kind of get that that's what the film was about. They seemed to emphasise the idea. And one line in particular that I really liked was, uh, they have no idea we're coming. And it shows the shot of them in, in sort of undercover costumes of the Imperial officers. I thought it was going to be much more intentional and instead, it seems kind of hobbled together at the last minute and we'll just give it a go and see what happens. I know what you mean. Let's do that. Let's do a really quick sort of logline thing about what we wish it was right at the end of this. You up for that? Yeah, that sounds good. So just to come back to what you said there. Yeah, I didn't like the fact that they made it so that the trench run thing and the exhaust port was a design flaw deliberately put in place. It changes the context of that battle at the end of episode four, doesn't it? Because it's like we know that there is a weakness, whereas the whole point is they analyse it and it's a desperate last-ditch attempt. And if you go down that line, then you also have to start wondering, well, why did he put it at the end of this really, really long trench that has loads of stuff in the way and loads of gun turrets in it? The whole point about that sequence in episode four is that it's really difficult and dangerous and the only reason they ha- even have the slimmest chance is because they're using tiny fighters. The Empire's so big, it doesn't consider a tiny threat worth chasing down. And you sort of have to think, well, did Galen Erso know that they were going to do that? I don't know. I think I like the idea of a guy who's forced to work for something he hates and deciding to work for it and to try and undermine it and basically having to play a dual, dual role and sneaking in a, a floor. Well, we should have had some scenes design. with him then. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't. That would have been quite fun. Like if he was typing on a computer, it could have been a Mission Impossible sort of scene where he's building in design floor, saving the file. <laughs> they had that scene in Snowden. They could have done that here with someone walking down the corridor. And in having and having said that, <laughs> this guy living a dual life, trying to serve the rebellions while also say, like building this super weapon, when as soon as his like colleagues get threatened, he's immediately steps forward and reveals that he's the traitor. I know, yeah. I thought that was a bit bizarre again and a bit of uh, poor writing. Just all of it was just... Obvious. It's just obvious and badly done. Uh, okay, right. Do you want to do? Should we do this logline thing, or do you want me to do bonuses first? You start with your logline. I think I'd be interested to know what you thought this film should have been. What should have been? Okay. So, listeners, I mean, I love uh, a new hope. I always loved that Princess there was having to carry these plans in the droids. I thought that was brilliant, and the opening sequence is so iconic. We actually didn't need very much. I think it didn't need to be a long story. It didn't need this daddy-daughter backstory thing. It didn't need the extremists, extremes of the rebellion to be explored. It needed none of that whatsoever. I think what we should have had uh, is Jin Erso. She's fine as a protagonist, who's a really great member of the Rebel Alliance, but quite a live wire. Um, and in fact, she's so anti-authority but competent, they reckon she could do well as a spy undercover. So they find a way, a desperate way, to put her on board, you know, even the Death Star itself, let's say, that while it's being built. And then it's a, a really tough game where she has to sort of sneak in, grab the stuff and get out again, but she has to do it without blowing her cover. And it could have she could have had some sidekicks with her, and they have clandestine meetings in there as well. You know, some of them could have got exposed, she could nearly have got exposed. She could have a moment where she has to choose between saving herself or saving one of them. Do you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, to be honest, you could have even kept Galen Erso in there, but done what we said earlier on, which is make her really motivated to join, to find and join the rebellion and then be the perfect person for this job. Whereas the way that they did it was so meandering and strange. I feel like I've done quite a bad job there. You, you do it. You're more Mr. Logline than me. Well, no, I just, I, I mean, I completely agree. And it's funny that you mentioned the, the things you did because I remember hearing a screenwriter talking about something, uh, some advice that his dad gave him when he was very young. I think it was Max Landis was the, the, the screenwriter. And he, he was really stuck in his story writing. And his dad said, well, how do you kill a vampire? And he's like, well, you use garlic, you use silver bullets or whatever you use. And he's like, no, 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 you can make up any rule you want. They're vampires. 
and you're free to do whatever you want which serves your story it's you make up these rules but you're not actually bound by them you just make up a new rule about <laughs> why cool. that happens i like that and the thing is is i completely see the logic in there and basically this film is so wrapped up in its sort of bizarre little world it doesn't realize it could simplify and therefore make it so much more punchy well i completely agree like the original star wars has what like three locations it's got tatooine uh it's sort of got the millennium falcon death star and the other and that's it like whereas we have loads of new planets we have There's about five of, in the opening sequence isn't yeah there? and then we have loads of different relationships and mixed motives there's nothing that's clear and simple about it i just wanted to see a mission led by passionate people that would have recalled something like dam busters for example you know a small part in a big conflict that was heroic and you don't need conflicted heroes even a movie a bit like oceans 11 where you have this ragtag team of uniquely talented people who are designed for this mission, who have this skill set perfect for this mission. And then you shove in Jen Erso there and say, we need you because you're the genetic daughter of this guy who's a scientist on this base. We think we can use that for to our advantage or whatever. I think you just make a good reason yeah, that fits completely. your story and then you execute the film that you want to make. I totally agree. And in this film, no one's even clear what they're doing until right at the end. Did you notice that? It, the, the method by which it's going to happen changes so often that actually no one has a clear mission even from the start. The original one is go find the girl so that you can get in with Saw Gerrera and find, find out, out what Galen Erso is so that then you can kill him so that he can stop making the Death Star, which wouldn't have worked because they'd already built it. So there you go. Nice job, Rebels. Okay, so then when they get there, they realise, oh no, when she hears his message, she realises that he's built in a design floor. So instead they need to go and find him to find out more about that design floor. But then when they get there, he gets killed anyway. So then it's sort of like, oh, well, I think what we need to do <laughs> is go, is to, go like to the, the master plan and, find, and get the schematics for the Death Star because then we'll be able to analyse it and find the weakness and then when they get there, they have the lockdown and then they have to transmit it through the big satellite dish because they can't get out. Do you know what I mean? The goal is really, really unclear. They're just making up as they go along, which yeah. isn't what you want with a rebel rebel plan. I think, yeah, I think, you know, and maybe they think, oh, that would be good because it's sort of the chaos of being the good guys. But I just think they got it all wrong. Maybe we should wrap it up here. What do you think? <laughs> I feel a bit bad. Maybe this has been a painful listening. Listen to listeners. Apologies if you haven't enjoyed it, and apologies if you love this film and now we've just trashed it or something like that. You've got to be. You've got to stay true to your opinions. And I think I find when I, if I watch a film, I can't help having a reaction to it. You know, you shouldn't apologise for it either. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think you, all you can do is acknowledge that everyone receives these things differently. And I'm really, really glad that there will be loads of people who love this film. I'm really glad about it but I just think it could have been a better film. Mm, if you've got differing opinions and you want to try and challenge our thoughts, email in superbailybros.gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbailybros. We would really love to hear reasons why this film is better than we think it is. I yeah. think both of us want to like a Star Wars film always. Yeah. I really like Donnie Yen and uh, his mate Wen Jiang uh, in this film. They were fun. I could have seen a whole film about those two. I think mm. I actually could. Any bonuses, Laurie? Oh, yes, I think I do have some. I've got one, I think. They're really little and silly. So did you enjoy the cameo from Tracy Island, Phil, towards the end? (laughs) Maybe you didn't notice it. That that would be great. That would be a great little Easter egg with Thunderbird 2 blasting off. Wouldn't that have been good? Yeah. Oh, good shit Another crossover for the extended universe. Um, I can't handle um, Felicity Jones' voice in this role. Do you know what I actually thought? Too, what was was he? Too posh. She sounds too much like people, I think someone else has emailed into our show and said, it sounds like someone I went to school with. You know, Mm. that's our problem. I would have liked it if she sounded even, try and picture Daphne's voice from Frasier. 
No. No, you see, now that's where you're wrong. Because, no. No, it would have been good. If it had a no. gritty edge to it, well, I state my claim to that. <laughs> you don't know anything about this film. I disagree. I'm right, you're wrong. Okay, and also... Let me get my, let me get no, my no, bonus No, 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 I'm going to do all mine. Then no, 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 I want right, to do mine because you hurry might up. steal mine. I was amazed by the fact that like 90% of the rebels are killed by grenades. Oh yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? It was like, as soon as you saw a grenade, you knew someone else was going to buy it. <laughs> like literally, one blows up the guy in the ship, one blows Donnie Yen up or something like that. Another one blows up the other guy because he shoots him and then it rolls out of his hand. It it's was just odd. like, there's more to life than grenades, guys. Was, well, not in a nice way. But, well, I think that slightly throws into focus the way that laser guns were treated in this movie. Whereas in the original Star Wars, basically, if you got shot by a laser, sparks fly up and you're dead, like with a burning hole in you uh, except princess Leia, who gets shot in the arm right and then she's like seriously ah! wounded <laughs> yeah and then up by the wall whereas in this film quite a few people are getting shot and carrying on moving mm. unlike the stormtroopers who are actually wearing armor <laughs> what are they doing it's just funny that, Donnie, uh, Donnie and beat them up even though they were wearing armor with a stick i think it's funny that the uh the the what's the name of the general man who's the the white white general who's not very good oh he uh krennic or something krennic, like that. Yeah, yeah i like the fact that he got shot on opposite shoulders oh yeah he did didn't he <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he got up and walked off as well and then also he had the the nice convenient thing of not actually dying but instead looking up and seeing the death star that you know what that was my favorite up. shot of the whole film really really it was the only shot where i thought oh someone has thought around this and they've thought Actually, that would be quite a cool shot. See the Death Star from your planet with its massive targeting reticule aimed at you. And that was a nice little bit of acting. And I thought he looked up and he realised the thing that I made is going to wipe me out. Mm. That I liked that. That was, that was a tiny little moment that I quite liked. Not sure, not sure, not sure. Okay, and I've got my last one here for you, Phil. I just chuckled out loud in my head because you know how sometimes when you watch a scene, there's the dialogue that gets said and the dialogue that is going through the screenwriter's mind? Mm. So do you know the bit where Jin so is walking through the crowd and she hears, oh, what's that necklace you wear under your scarf? And it's Donnie Yen who can see the necklace there. Even though I he's thought, blind. In my head, I was thinking, like, uh, the screenwriter's basically thinking, the way that, the way that uh, Felicity Jones acts it as well, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, that's Donnie Yen's voice. And turning around, look, oh, look, it's Donnie Yen. <laughs> I've got to go talk I've to that guy. I've got to go talk to Donnie Yen. <laughs> hey, Donnie Yen, what, what's that you said? <laughs> Something about a necklace. Sorry, I didn't quite exactly. hear him. In the, in the context of that scene, there is no reason for her to even hear him, one, because there's like eight or ten other people around her. <laughs> and also, two, it's like be, a crazy guy talking about my necklace. Yeah, it's like, she's like, get away from me, Perth. Like, like, hold on, just... no, but hold on, it's Donnie Yen. <laughs> I better go talk to Donnie Yen. <laughs> oh, my mistake. Donnie, you've got something to say? Yeah, yeah that I'll made me laugh. Because that, that was such a screenwriter's scene it cracked me up uh, but that's it Phil I think I hope we haven't trashed it too much but it was a disappointment overall I think we need to reiterate what we said I think at the end of the last review just say that probably we're being a bit harsh probably we need to see it without the expectations my hope get. and expectation is it will be better the second time round maybe even on the TV rather than in the cinema who mm, knows yeah but I it's just a bit gutting isn't it whenever it doesn't quite meet the well, expectations there we go listeners I hope you've enjoyed our time together in a galaxy far far away <laughs> we've just spent like an hour trashing everything <laughs> oh dear alright bye guys bye bye <laughs>